0: Thank you, team. I appreciate that so much. Didn't they all do a great job, the band, the choir, everybody? Also, I want to say thank you once again for coming through for us for uh, six furnaces and three air conditioners. Can you imagine that all at one time? And uh, we want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts uh, to be able to have it all ready for this summer. And uh, God will bless you. I really believe that. Uh, I do want to <clears throat> say that um, Jody Morrow's, uh mother, Helen Austin, uh she went home to be with the Lord this Friday, past Friday. And so, Jody, we're praying for you. And uh, just uh, God bless you. She was a lady loved the Lord. We know where she is, and we'll see her once again. <clears throat> also, as uh, believers, uh, we've lost this past week Les Feldick. And Les went home, be it the Lord. And uh, Les was a major part in a lot of people's lives in getting them to rightly divide. And uh, so this morning, even though it's Easter, uh, there's two fellas that influenced me toward uh, rightly dividing, dispensationalism. That's so important. And uh, I wanted to share what all of this is all about uh, in honor of two people, uh, Keith uh, Blades, and uh, what, a, what a, a teacher he was, and then also Les Felly. And uh, some of you, you've heard this before, but that's okay, you need to hear it again. And uh, I hope that would be a blessing. We'll try not to be too boring, and, uh, but uh, a lot of people want to know what's this all about, what has happened, so I want to give you a view from, from the beginning to eternity. <laughs> and it won't take very long, several hours, and we'll be done. <laughs> no, I, I won't speak long, I promise. But uh, I, I'd like to get this into your hearts if I could. And it is the greatest story that's ever been told. It starts way, way back. Satan, he sinned. He rebelled against God. He took one-third of the angels who went with him and went up against God. In order to prevent them and stop any more angels from following Satan at that time, God created a place called hell, and that stopped them in their tracks, and he kicked Satan out of the third heaven at that time. And uh, the Bible says in Matthew that hell was created for the devil and for his angels. A little bit later, Satan defeated Adam. Adam fell. He passed his sin on to mankind, so that when we're born, we're born with a sinful nature. That's why we sin, because that's who we are. We inherited that in our DNA from Adam, and so that passed on to us. And at that time, Satan won the title deed to the earth. So Satan has a place in the heavenlies, the second heaven, a place, and he also has a place on this earth. He has the title deed to the earth right now. And so he's called the God of this world, the prince of the power of the air. Satan and his cohorts, fallen angels, spirit beings, who are on his side, they're against God. This battle's been going on from that time. It's going on today and will until the conclusion where God ends it all. And he's against Christ, he's against believers. Paul said it like this in Ephesians 6, 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and uh, rulers and so on of darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. And those spiritual wickedness, they are fighting God, they're fighting us for dominion and control of the heavens and of the earth. So God, when man fell, God set in motion he had and has a secret plan to win back control of heaven and of earth. He made this promise in Genesis 3.15 after man fell. And I will put enmity between thee, Satan, and the woman and between thy seed, Satan, and her seed, which would be Christ one day, it shall bruise thy head. And so God made this promise at that time. Satan understood this verse of God's plan to defeat him through this coming seed, which would be Christ. The years following, Satan tried to eradicate and destroy Christ's seed line. You see the flood. You see the Tower of Babel. You see Israel's lineage. There is... At one time in history, there was just a couple of very few families in the Messianic line. And if they were done away with, then Christ could not have come. And so Satan was so close. Now Jesus' coming to the earth, it was knowable because it was prophesied. Yet his coming was also kept secret to keep Satan from him. Jesus' true identity was somewhat hidden until it was time for him to unveil himself and his ministry. And by the way, that gives the reason there's not a whole lot said about Jesus' boyhood. He goes and just a couple of things and he goes into his manhood. Micah 5 2, sa- Satan knew this verse that Christ's seed would be born. In Bethlehem and so he knew that but he didn't know the timing when it would take place and where in Bethlehem no doubt Satan pulled his demons from around other places and guarded Bethlehem somebody made this statement that it seems like there were more demons in Bethlehem than there were people because there were so many of them the demons the devils were Satan's spies to serve and watch for a young godly couple who would have baby. And so they were looking at these couples. Satan was lying in wait for the promised Messiah. But God, again, he counteracted. He secretly chose a couple by the name of Mary and Joseph, not living in Bethlehem, but in the north in Nazareth. God secretly saw to it that the woman, Mary, her purity and morality would be in question and doubted. Her pregnancy at that time, no doubt, was somewhat scandalous because she didn't have a husband. Satan, he had no knowledge of Gabriel's visit to Mary, no knowledge of the Holy Spirit overshadowing Mary's virgin pregnancy. This had happened before, This had never happened before where you would have a pregnancy without a father. Jesus Christ was virgin born. More than likely, Satan heard of Mary's pregnancy, but he kind of dismisses it quickly because Mary and Joseph, he thought for sure, he knew the God in heaven that to have his son be born of somebody of this scandalous nature Would never be. He knew the glories of heaven. And so he just dismissed her and he knew that God would not use Mary for such a holy role. At least that's what he thought. God secretly arranged for Mary and Joseph to be in Bethlehem so that Mary could give birth there that it would fulfill prophecy. This was done in such a way as not to draw attention to them. This was done by new required census and taxation. So Mary and Joseph, they were two out of thousands of their family's ancestral line coming because of the census. The roads were gridlocked and all available rooms were occupied at that time. This unnoticed couple, they come in, they find a place that they could stay. It was a cave stable you know, a cave with a stable in front of it like that, and they stayed there. And no doubt, Satan's demonic forces, they looked at the finest places, the finest homes, but God fooled them again. When Christ was born, God provided a welcoming committee of the lowest beings at that time. They were called shepherds. (laughs) No one cared or noticed when a ragtag small group of shepherds ran through the village of Bethlehem looking for a stable and child. After Christ's birth, after following the law's requirements, they go up to Jerusalem. On the eighth day, Jesus is circumcised. They offer two turtle doves as a sacrifice for the cleansing of Mary. Then Mary and Joseph, they move back to Nazareth. Now get this, about a year and a half later, a delegation of devout wise men. You've heard of the wise men, right? The wise men came. I believe they were Jewish men who had been living in Babylon, who were there through the captivity of Israel, and they would be looking at scriptures, and they come from the east, and they come on the road into Jerusalem, and it caused a real uproar. They said they were looking for the one born king of the Jews. When they left there, they were suspicious of Herod. They want to go a different way, but as they go, the star that they had seen reappeared. You know, in the Bible, angels are called stars at times in the book of Job and Revelation. They finally arrive in Nazareth where Mary and Joseph were now living. At this time, Jesus is about one and a half years old. And when you look at that narrative, you'll notice there's no stable but a house, no manger, no babe, no shepherds. They give gifts to the babe. They give gold for a king, frankincense for a priest, and myrrh for a prophet. Christ fulfilled all those offices. And they bowed down and worshipped him. They didn't worship Mary, they worshipped him. Afterwards, God secretly sent a dream to Joseph to flee because King Herod had given the sentence to kill all babies two years of age and under. And uh, that was not only for Bethlehem but also surrounding areas in the coast. So they go down, marry Joseph to Egypt. I think it's important for us to understand there's a battle between God and Satan. It was and it is real. Peter says 1 Peter 5:8. He says this, "Be sober, be vigilant because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour." And then Paul says in Ephesians 6:11, "Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the trickeries, the traps Of the devil, he's a real person. After Herod's death, Mary and Joseph then moved back into Nazareth. He opened up a carpenter's shop. God's secret seed, Christ, was safe and intact. God's secret continued as Jesus grew up in a normal Jewish-type childhood, and he lived in Nazareth. Jesus didn't go around showing he was Superboy in Smallville. He didn't go around and performing the miraculous and signs and all of these things. To be sure, if Satan ever heard of that going on, he would have found him, and no doubt Satan would have attacked the Lord Jesus Christ at that time. But God secretly covered over Jesus and his parents. Interesting verse Luke one eighty says this here. And the child, Jesus, grew and waxed strong in spirit and was in the, what? Desert till the day of his showing unto Israel. He didn't go around the populace. He was kind of a wanderer out there when he would leave the carpenter shop. So he was kept secret that way. The first that Satan truly learned Christ's true identity was when Jesus was baptized. John said this in John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day John, seeing Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me cometh the man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. Christ is eternal, by the way. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. Jesus' baptism was his coming out party. He was announcing to Israel the Messiah had come. (laughs) And so his covering... His secrecy of who he is, his true identity, it was now off. And at that moment, by the way, a priest was at the age, they start at the age of 30. So Christ is now 30 years of age. And God from heaven said this about Christ. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water and lo, the heavens were opened. And unto him, and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove lighting upon him, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, "This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased." In a sense, he's saying, "Devil, there he is. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> now you won't have to worry about where he is, you'll know where he is. We're ready for you. So the game was on. The battle. For earth and heaven and man's sin was to begin. Immediately, Christ, he's taken into the wilderness and he's tempted 40 days, 40 nights by the devil until finally the devil left him for a season. Finally, it all came to a head three years later at a place called Mount Calvary. Christ had been viciously attacked. The burden in Gethsemane, his arrests, the trials, The beatings, mocking, scourging, crown of thorns, carrying the cross, crucifying with nails. On the cross, he shed his blood, the last of his blood, and then he died. And then he was buried in a borrowed tomb. Surely, Satan was having a party. No doubt, he thought he had won, and he was celebrating. But God had another part of his secret. Three days later, amen, three days later, Christ arose from the grave alive in a glorified body. He had defeated the devil. He had defeated and conquered death itself and had risen from the grave. That's why we say to you today, we have good news for you. Regardless of where you are in your life, whatever sin you might have in your life, we have a Savior that can take care of all of it. He's a risen Savior, and his name is Christ. Amen? No doubt on resurrection morn, one of Satan's imps of darkness runs into Satan nervously, telling Satan that Christ's body was gone. And the soldiers that were guarding him They look like ghosts. (laughs) Satan had been fooled again and he had played into God's purpose that actually defeated Satan himself. Hebrews 2.14 says this here, For such then as children are partakers of flesh and blood, he, Christ, also himself likewise took part of the same, became flesh, that through death on the cross, he might destroy him that had the power of death that is the devil. The reason the devil had authority to sentence somebody in a sense was the fact he could show our sin and sin produces death. But Christ defeated the devil. And at that time, Christ arose, he ascends on high, he sends the spirit of God down, And at that moment in early Acts, Israel could be offered the risen Messiah. They also could offer the kingdom to the nation of Israel. And if Israel would believe, then they could go to the world. But how many of you know Satan doesn't quit? He doesn't give up. Satan just decides he's going to have to work harder to prevent Israel from believing, and then they would not go to the world. So Satan set up his headquarters in Israel with an all-out attack to prevent Israel from turning to faith in Messiah, the Christ. And sadly, the tragedy is it worked. Israel as a nation, as a whole, turned their back in unbelief. In Acts chapter 7, finally, totally, they rejected Jesus as their Messiah. And when they did that, they were rejecting the Holy Spirit, blaspheming it actually at that moment. At that moment, God had to do something. He had to temporarily set Israel aside in unbelief. Now Israel, at this time in this dispensation, is not the favored nation of God. Now Israel is as the Gentiles were against God. It seems Satan had won, but that's not all the story. From the very start, even to this point, God had another secret that would go beyond the nation of Israel. He saves an individual, Saul of Tarsus, who became the great apostle Paul in the scripture, wrote 13 books of the Bible. And Paul, through Christ, reveals that Christ's death, burial, and resurrection had fuller, more accomplishments than that was previously known by Israel. He says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 13, and you being dead in your sins, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened, made alive, resurrected, together with him. Having forgiven you, how much? When you trust Christ you're all your sins forgiven. Past, present, future. And then he goes on to say this here. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to His cross and having spoiled, here's these principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it in the cross. The cross completely defeated Satan and sin, but also the law. God's secret was that he created a new dispensation of grace that removes the believer from any obligation to Israel's law. We're not under law today, we're under grace today. God's mystery is a new creation. It's called the body of Christ. God's mystery is a new message. The new message never before Paul is that we are saved by grace through faith in the finished work of Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection. That's the new message God has for this dispensation. In Acts 13, he says this. Acts 13, 38 and 39, did I give you that? Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man Christ is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by the way... When he says our sins can be forgiven, that was not so prior to Apostle Paul here. Prior to Paul, they have to wait for Jesus to return to the earth before their sins are forgiven. But when you today get saved, you trust Christ as your Savior in his death, burial, and resurrection, when you do that, all your sins are forgiven. And then he goes on to state this, and by him all that believe, that's all we do, are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. We don't have to worry about that law. Acts 20:24 20, says this: none of these things, but none of these things move me. Neither can I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Paul says, listen, God's given me this wonderful gospel of grace. What is that gospel that saves you? 1 Corinthians 15. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Now listen, that's the gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Who he is, he's the son of God and what he did, he died, he was buried, he rose. That and that alone is enough to save you. Just believe that in your heart and God will save you. Romans 4, 5 says this here but to him that worketh not but believeth on him that justifieth the the ungodly. His faith is counted for righteousness. Romans 10, 9 says this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, what? Thou shalt be saved. Amen? Paul says, listen, God's revealed to me this secret this new message, and he says it like this, you know it well, Romans 16, 25. Now to him that is the power to establish you according to my gospel, not the one that was previously preached, my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began. God says, when I'm preaching, they've never preached. Because Christ had not revealed this full accomplishment of the work of Christ. He states in Colossians 1:25, "Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest. To his saints. He said, I'm sharing with you a new truth that they did not know in Genesis through Malachi, Matthew, through Mark, Acts 1, through Acts 7. They knew nothing about the accomplishment of the work of Christ. And he says, I'm revealing this to you now. Christ has revealed it to me. He says, Here's the rest of the story. Amen. Amen. Ephesians 3, 8, 9, I'm about done. Unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which had been hid in God. He said, I'm revealing it to you, this truth. So God his masterstroke of his genius, his wisdom, hid this truth and revealed it to the Apostle Paul. God had kept this secret. It's unfathomable. It's incomprehensible. But he kept it from Satan and his imps of darkness. And he did that in order to use them. And he used Satan and his imps to prod. The people of Israel to crucify Jesus Christ. And in doing that, they actually helped to seal their own doom. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. Just a few verses.
1: Revelation
0: 11:15. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign. Because of what Christ did, Christ one day in the future, all the world and the earth and the kingdoms, he will reign in Jerusalem, and he will be king of kings and lord of lords. Amen? Amen. But what about Satan and the heavenly place he has? Revelation chapter 12, verse 7 says this, And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. Who's the dragon? Satan. And the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not, neither was their place in the second heavens, the heavenlies, their place was found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Hey, because of Christ's work, the devil has lost the title deed to earth, and he's lost to his place in the second heavenlies. And what's his end? Revelation 20, verse 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. You see the end of the story, the battle at the beginning, all throughout history, and at the end of it all, Satan loses. Christ gains what is rightfully his. Now, a question comes in my last verse. The question comes, why did God keep his son a secret for 30 years when he was born? Why did he do that? First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, a truth, hidden but now revealed, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, the dispensation of grace. Now get this, which none of the princes, principalities and them, of this world knew. For had they known what the mystery was all about, the finished work of Christ, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Do you understand the reason God kept it secret until he revealed it to Paul was the fact that if he had not kept it secret, he was dealing with Israel and had to offer them a chance for the kingdom. But they said no. But they would not have crucified Christ. And if Christ is not crucified, buried, and risen, there is no hope. We're all going to hell. Huh? Our preaching is in vain. Eat, drink, and be merry. Huh? But I'm glad that God did that. That's a journey from the beginning to the end in 20-something minutes. (laughs) Amen? I know I gave you a lot. But this Savior indeed is living. At the age of 24, after a number of years of making a mess of my life, I had such a hole in my heart. And I tried to fill that hole with everything the world offered. Didn't matter what it was, I tried to cram it in there, everything. I'm ashamed of that. But that's just where I was as a sinner. I was a great sinner. (laughs) I did it. But finally, God began to draw me. And one day, His Spirit spoke to my heart. And by faith, nothing I could ever do, I just was a sinner. I put my faith in Christ. He died for my sins, He was buried and rose again. And He came at that moment and came into that empty spot in my heart and he filled it and all these years I have been full with Jesus he's helped me every day of my life I couldn't make it without him and you know I've had a lot of family members who have trusted Christ they've died and they've gone to heaven but you know because what the Bible says, I will see them again. There are so many blessings because of being a child of God that just astounds me. And it all starts the moment you say in your heart, God, I do believe that I'm a sinner. I can't say myself. But I hear that Christ is your son. And I hear he died for my sins. And he rose out of the grave the third day. And because of what he's done and accomplished, God, I believe. I believe it's real. And I believe it's for me. Faith in him and what he's done. If you walk out of here not a believer, that's your own fault. God wants you to believe in him today. Let's bow our heads. Right there where you are in your own heart, in your own way, not putting words in your mouth. I'm just saying if today you will believe that Christ is the son of God, he was dead, he was buried, and he rose again for you and your sin. If you will just believe in your heart this moment, just this moment tell God you believe in him and if you did that and you did believe God says he saved you I pray that you did father we love you thank you for the cross thank you for the empty tomb we celebrate your resurrection today But there's so much more to it. You had a purpose, you had a plan for Israel, but also you have a plan for us, the body of Christ today. And because of what your sons accomplished, we can say today we know our sins are forgiven and we're going to heaven. We know that you walk with us every day of our life because you live inside of us. What privilege to be one of your children. And I just pray that there were a number of people this morning that came to faith and believed. You receive all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? We hope you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you visit with us in person. For more information, please visit our website at gpnd.net or contact us by phone at 317-535-3512. You can watch us live and view past services on our website, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Until next broadcast, may God richly bless you as our prayer.